This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, this really is a great, um, great Sunday because it's the first week of the Summer Blitz, and that's fantastic. And when you read that report there, you really get a sense, you can feel the energy of these students. One of them wrote, said, I'm so stoked, he said, to be out on Summer Blitz, you know, and, and another one wrote that there was another Jewish lady who was so excited, and I think it was in addition to this one, she was so excited that she, she actually was helping them to distribute. <laughs> and then another one wrote from, I think it was New York City, you'll read it in there, he said that Brooklyn was the scariest place on earth. <laughs> and another one wrote, said, I didn't realize Jewish ministry was going to be so hard. And then another one wrote in Washington, D.C., I thought it was going to be much harder, but it wasn't. I think those two should trade positions. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, so it's just great to see the, see the, see the gospel go out among these, these uh, fired-up soldiers on the field there. And so it really creates a great backdrop tonight of the Summer Blitz for the passage that we're going to look at, which is really, you might say, it's a, it's, it's, it's a conversion experience. It seems like Jacob has many conversion experiences. He needs it. But this one is so monumental here in Genesis 32 that we're going to be looking at this tonight, and it's called Crippled, crippled to be Crowned. But first, before we do, let's pray. Father, we've come to your holy word that we're holding in our hands. We realize, Lord, heaven and earth is gonna pass away, but the word we're holding in your hands is not. We realize, Lord, that you have, you have set your, your word so high. Lord, you, you, we realize that, that not one jot and one tittle is gonna fall to the ground of your word until all is fulfilled. And so, Lord, realizing this, what we're holding in our hands tonight, we pray, Lord, open our hearts now to let us receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 32, verse 6. Genesis 32, 6. This great chapter in Genesis 32, which is the origin of the name Israel. It's the origin of Israel. 
here, Genesis 32, 6. Genesis 30. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and herds and the camels into two bands, and said, If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which says to me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Now drop down to verse 24, verse 24. Genesis 32, 24. And Jacob was left alone. And there there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, or I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Peniel means face of God. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Now, we've been having a wonderful time here as we've been looking at Moses and, and what he wrote and calling it the gospel according to Moses. And, 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 and I know that just to say those words, for Jewish people, it would make them faint. <laughs> the gospel according to Moses. They'd say, the gospel according to Moses? I'd say, yes, it's the gospel according to Moses. Because it's strange, because the gospel, gospel is associated with the New Testament. And, 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 and Moses is associated with the Old Testament. So what do you mean you're saying the gospel according to Moses? It seems like they don't go together. Like the Old and the New Testaments don't go together. And that's the problem. The problem is that we so easily think that the Old and the New Testaments are separated from each other. We don't see them as linked together. But with this title, the gospel according to Moses, I'm purposefully linking these two together, the Old and the New Testaments, because it's very important that we follow the Lord Jesus in two words that he said, think not, think not, think not, is what he said in Matthew 5, 17, when he said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. That's the Old Testament. I am not come to destroy, in other words, the Old Testament. I am come to fulfill, he said. So this think not mentality means to see the oneness of the Old and the New Testaments together. 
And I hope when you look at the New Testament, you think not that there's been a destruction of the Old Testament. You, you do not see a destruction of the Old Testament, but that you see a fulfillment of the Old Testament. Because I hope that you see the New Testament is a commentary on the meaning of the Old Testament. You cannot understand the New Testament without understanding the Old Testament. You cannot understand the Old Testament without understanding the New Testament. Why? Because the Old Testament is the foundation. It's below the ground. It's the foundation for the New Testament. The New Testament's the building. The New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Now, in our last study, we saw how Jacob came to the gate of heaven. Now, I'm going to speak on the origin of the name Israel, which is a new name that God gave to, to Jacob. Jacob is a very important character in Scripture. It seems like God takes this person, Jacob, and just sprinkles him all throughout the Scriptures. He is a, he's a, it's like God is punctuating Scripture. You find this name Jacob over and over and over again. The name Jacob appears 320 times throughout the Old Testament, 25 times throughout the New Testament. God is there punctuating all of Scripture with reference to this very important person named Jacob. That's why it's so important for us to understand Jacob and God because it's how God deals with Jacob that we understand God. Jacob represents man in the Bible. And by using the name, by using the name Jacob so often in the Bible, God is wanting us to understand who man really is, who we really are. And through God, through Jacob, God wants to teach us some very important lessons about who we are, who we really are. But more importantly, God has chosen to refer to himself 25 times in the Bible as the God of Jacob, the God of Jacob. And that's important because that title, the God of Jacob, God, God, what God is doing there, he really wants to teach us about who God really is. So the reason these histories of Jacob are so important is because we learn about who man is by Jacob, and we learn about who God is as the God of Jacob. That's the most important. And, as, and, and through that, we learn how man becomes transformed into a man of God named Israel. Now, in this history of the transformation of Jacob here into Israel, we're going to learn an important lesson for our own lives. And this lesson is, God has to cripple before he crowns. That's not pleasant to be crippled. But God has to cripple in order to crown. God has to break us before he blesses us. And we see in the history of Jacob here how when we were lost, we were crooked. We were crooked. Jacob represents crookedness. Jacob represents our crookedness. The crookedness that is described in Isaiah 53, 6, when it speaks about the we, and it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Those descriptions of going astray and going our own way, those are descriptions of crookedness, crookedness. In Deuteronomy 32.5, Deuteronomy 32.5, 
It says, they have corrupted themselves. They are a perverse and crooked generation. We grew in our crooked ways, and we had to be broken in order to be straightened. You know, this reminds me, when I was 11 years old, I went to public school, and I had to play basketball in school. I tried to explain to them at school that I was Jewish, and Jews don't do rough sports like basketball. You don't see any Jewish basketball players, I asked. I would tell them, you don't see any Jewish football players? Those are not Jewish sports. So I asked for an excuse, but they didn't agree. They didn't listen at all. <laughs> and, in my, and I remember in my first game playing basketball and sitting out there and saying, what am I doing here? And suddenly the ball was passed to me, and I caught it. And then I saw the most terrifying sight of all the other team running toward me. So I ran. I ran away. And as I was running, I tried to dribble the ball. And as I got close to the hole, I tripped. I tripped on the ball. And I went flying right through the air. And my arm was like this. And the pole hit it like this. And bam, it broke my arm right there. Oh, that hurt. It was a crack. And I didn't go to the doctor immediately. And the bone started to heal crooked. It wasn't right. So they took me to the famous Dr. Rosenblum in Beverly Hills. And Dr. Rosenblum, he came in, he's a very calm man. He said, no, just relax. He says, no, don't, just relax. And he took both of his hands on my crooked arm, and he broke it. He snapped it with a loud, terrifying crack, and it rebroke the arm to make it straight, and it hurt. It hurt again. Now, my arm after that fall, was like Jacob's life. It was Jacob's life up to Genesis 32. And Dr. Rosenblum knew that he had to break it in order to make it straight. And the crooked arm had to be broken in order for it to be straightened out. And this is what's happening in Genesis 32. Jacob was broken here in order to be straightened. And when I left Dr. Rosenblum's office with a cast, my arm was straightened. Now, in Genesis 32, God is Dr. Rosenblum. And he's the one who broke Jacob. And when Jacob leaves Genesis 32, Jacob is straightened out with a new name, Israel. And these are the three words that describe man and how God deals with man. Crooked, broken, straightened. Those are the three words. Crooked, broken, straightened. And no person in the Bible better shows God's dealing in this threefold process of crooked, broken, straightened than Jacob does. Feel free to turn to Isaiah 44.1. Isaiah 44.1, where we can see this crooked, broken, straightened. Crooked, broken, straightened in Isaiah 44.1, where we have three names given for this person. First, he says, Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, thou Jeshurun, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Jacob is the crooked one. Israel, as we're going to see here, is the broken one. And Jeshurun comes from the Hebrew word yashar, which means straight. So Jeshurun means straightened one. So Jacob, crooked. Israel, broken. Jeshurun, straightened. And that's how God deals with us in our lives. Crooked, broken, straightened. 
That's how God continues to deal with us. When we go crooked, God brings in some night, which is what we're reading about here, some midnight to isolate us, to break our stubborn wills, to break our arrogance, so that what comes out of that night is a clinging person, a crying person to God for a blessing. So Genesis 32 is one night. This is what Genesis 32 is. It's one night. Now, the background, you remember the background for this night? Well, you remember part of it at least, is that we have seen from the, the last words of Jacob, remember we talked about this, the last words that Jacob heard from his mother in Genesis 27, 42, Genesis 20, 42 were, Rebekah said to Jacob, behold thy brother Esau as touching thee doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran. And then Jacob, we saw last time, he ran for his life. And he started out from Genesis 27 and 28. He's running, he's fleeing for his life. He's a fugitive. Because Jacob had conspired with his mother to lie to his father, to rob his brother of the blessing. So he's on the run. He was on the run. We saw that at the gate of heaven. And then Jacob did run out as fast as he could and as far as he could until we saw that that night, that darkness overcame him. And he arrived at that place, at Bethel, and he was exhausted. He was scared. He was alone. He was frightened. And it was a rocky place in a pathetic state. He made for his pillow rocks. And then he fell asleep. In Genesis 28, 11, Genesis 28, 11, he fell asleep, says he lighted upon a certain place, tarried there all night because the sun was set. He took the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And then in his sleep, Jacob saw that ladder that went from him and reached all the way up to heaven. And there were angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And Jehovah Jesus was at the top of that ladder. And Jacob woke up and he said, I'm at God's house, and I'm at the gate of heaven, and I didn't know it. And then Jacob made a vow to God. And the vow was in Genesis 28.20. Genesis 28.20, where it says, Jacob vowed a vow, saying, if God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again into my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. That was a wonderful night for Jacob. That was when Jacob met God and said that if God was going to give him food and clothing and, and protection, that he would make the Lord his God and give God one-tenth of everything that he got. And maybe when God heard that, maybe he said, maybe he said, deal, Jacob, I accept you know, maybe God turned to the angels and said to the angels, did you hear that, angels? Jacob and I just made a deal. Yeah? Jacob has promised to make me his God. Such a deal. I don't think God got the best end of that deal. But anyway, he said, and, and, and if, I, if, I just, if I make sure to feed Jacob and, and clothe him, protect him. That was Jacob's conversion night, or one of his conversion nights, I don't know. I'm not saying he lost his salvation, but I don't know. It's one conversion night. When Jacob met God, Jacob met God. That was 25 years ago. 
That was 25 years ago from the point we're at right now in Genesis 32. 25 long years since Jacob met God at Bethel. 25 years since Jacob saw heaven and earth bridged by a ladder with angels going up and down. 25 years since Jacob made those promises to God that God would be his God and that he would give a tenth to God if God took care of him. 25 years now God has lived up to his end of the deal. 25 years God has provided food and he has provided clothing and he has protected him. 25 years since God provided quite a family to Jacob with his 12 sons and huge a flock of goats and camels and so forth, so much story they're divided into two groups here. 25 years, and Jacob has not moved an inch toward God. And during those 25 years, Jacob has been very busy. Oh, he's been busy. He's been planning, he's been scheming, he's been amassing great riches for himself. He's a very rich man, Jacob. But in the busyness of Jacob's life, Jacob has pushed God right out of his life. And if anyone would have asked Jacob at that time, if the Lord was was his God, Jacob would have said, well, sure, there was that night at Bethel when I met God. And Jacob's like a professing Christian, who if somebody says, are you a believer? And he would reply, reply, well, sure, there was that day when I received Jesus as my Savior. But Jacob was living as a practical atheist. He was living a life just like God didn't exist, just like many professing Christians who live their lives as though God doesn't exist. But God has kept his end of the deal. And during these last 25 years, Jacob has seen how God has faithfully provided for Jacob the food, the clothing, the protection. But Jacob has not made the Lord his God, and Jacob has not given to God a tenth of everything that he has, just like many professing Christians who really have not made the Lord Jesus Christ their God, and not giving to the Lord Jesus, the tenth of all that they have. So this was Jacob, a man who forgot about God, crooked. And now we're gonna see what God's about to do with Jacob. Two words, two words tell us what God does to this man. And we can see this here in in Genesis 32, 24. Genesis 32, 24. Jacob was left alone. Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Those are the two words, left alone, left alone. This is what God does to the man that is crooked, left alone. What God does here, what God is doing here with Jacob, he has cornered Jacob. He's put him in a corner. God has patiently waited for 25 years for Jacob to voluntarily move toward God. But Jacob has not done that. And when it became obvious that after 25 years, Jacob was not gonna move voluntarily toward God, then God uses the circumstances of one night to isolate him and to make him alone, and Jacob was left alone on that night. And if there's a one warning that comes through from Genesis 32, the warning is, don't make God put us in a corner. That's the warning. Do not make God put us in a corner. God waited 25 years before he put Jacob into this corner alone, But after that, it was clear that Jacob wasn't going to turn to God. Then finally, God had to corner Jacob. And when Jacob was in the middle of building his empire with Laban at Uncle Laban's house, when Jacob was in the middle of all the noise and the arguments with Uncle Laban, 
when all his scheming to get a family and to get the sheep and the cattle and the camels and the servants back in Syria at Uncle Laban's house, God couldn't do very much with Jacob there. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.